Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, we're back to answer some more listener questions this time. Yeah, we got flooded last time. We got a little extra uh, time to do this, so we figured might as well, huh? Absolutely. We've got some good ones. We're going to jump right in and answer as many as we can. First question comes from Jeff. Jeff says, I don't own any of the top 10 Dynasty tight ends. I have Reed and Jimmy Graham as my main two guys. What should be my strategy moving forward? Should I move these guys while I can before their value implodes completely? Try to snag a rookie like Noah Fant. And then he says, are there any tight ends in the 10 to 20 range that you guys are targeting? So we've talked about this uh, before throughout the year, and, and it's been kind of a common topic across the Dynasty community is just how how ugly tight end has been. We've seen a lot of injuries. We've seen a lot of disappointing play. And it, it's just been a, a really crazy year for that position. Um, I, I guess to, to address his current tight ends first, Reed, Jimmy Graham, I don't think those guys have any trade value at this no. point. Um, or tread left on the tires. <clears throat> right. The, uh, the best you're, you're going to get as far as a pick is probably a – third rounder now i do think there's a chance you could use that that name value that both of those guys have to get a guy like chris herndon i like that johnny smith maybe even uh i was gonna say mike gusecki but i won't go that far ian thomas maybe i think ian thomas is a rising asset I don't know if Olsen ever plays again. I do as well, and and all of those guys that I mentioned are, of course, outside of the top 10 if you're looking at DLF ADP or if you're looking, obviously, at at the overall scoring for this season. Those those guys have played well in spurts, but uh, have have, uh, not played the full season. So uh, uh, all three of those would be players I would target again, Johnny Smith, Chris Herndon, and... Uh, and Ian Thomas, along with Mike Gusecki. I'm I'm certainly not ready to give up on him, though it seems like some people are, so I would try to take advantage of that. How about the Baltimore crew? I'm, that doesn't excite me at all. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just confused, honestly. I, I mean, I don't... I haven't seen enough of them to feel good about targeting any of them, honestly. And, and of course, specifically talking about the rookies, Andrew and Hurst, uh, Andrews and Hurst, but even even the other guys are still seeing playing time, uh, Max Williams and Nick Boyle and guys like that. So that's even a little bit of a concern that uh, those guys are still hanging around and uh, stealing some snaps and targets and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if they're cheap enough, and, and honestly, I'd, I mean, I would sell Jimmy Graham for any of these players that we're talking about. You'd trade Graham for Herndon, right? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you could get it done. Right. You might have to throw in a third rounder even. Right. Uh, and then looking at Jeff's other piece of the question there, guys in the 10 to 20 range at the position to target, we just threw out a bunch of them. And if we've learned anything from the tight end play that we've seen this year, I think that it's, you just don't, <laughs> you don't know what you have. It's so hard to predict. There's, there's Kelsey Ertz and, and Kittle now at the top and, Uh, it's a little bit of a crapshoot after those guys. We've talked a lot about those second-year tight ends, soon-to-be third-year tight ends, and Joku, Howard, Ingram. We still like all of those guys. 
Hunter Henry has retained his value. After that, it is it is really wide open, and some of these guys that we named, these rookies, uh, could could certainly end up as top twelve guys as early as next year. Yeah, Jared Cook's another guy I trust. You know, kind of in that range, but he's a little older. Um, I trading reading Graham. Best of luck. I mean, uh, I think you're probably better off sticking with them maybe starting them for the first month of next year or so, or at least making them your fallback plan and drafting Fant or being aggressive to go get somebody young. I mean, Howard, I mentioned it last show, I think he's going to be a star and wouldn't shock me if he's uh, in the arch category sooner than later. Um, the Joku and Engram, I don't know that their stock has skyrocketed. I mean, they, they still might be affordable. Um, I don't know there'd be a terrible idea to add, you know, Vance McDonald on the cheap, just so you have somebody if these two are broken down. But I would think youth, just because you're stuck with Reed and Graham, you can at least start them next year as long as they hold up and it won't kill you. But you better get somebody young, real young. Yeah. Yeah, he also mentioned uh, Noah Fant, of course, coming in as a rookie in this upcoming class. I, I mean, I love everything I've seen from Noah Fan, but I'm not drafting a rookie tight end with the idea that that's, that's going to fix the position immediately. Uh, right. We, we just talked about we just talked about Gasecki and and some of these Baltimore rookies. In general, you're not going to get a ton of production from rookie tight ends. We we know that. We know last year was a, a little bit of uh, an aberration with that. Are you still believe? Do you believe in Ebron? I don't know that he's going to have this kind of touchdown production, but I think he's an every week starter, you know, for dynasty reasons. Yeah, I think so as well. And I mean, the great thing about Ebron is his his trade value, his ADP has not really gotten too crazy. People aren't buying it, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's still enough doubters, and it, it his his numbers are obviously boosted by uh, touchdown production. Uh, by far a, a, a record high for him. So uh, even with that, his his values kind of stayed in, in line. Of course, it's gone up, but uh, only only a reasonable amount, in my opinion. It, that just brings me to one last tight end note, is history has shown us that you don't, you know, trust the rookies, like you said, and rarely do they come in and produce. And it also shows that, you know, tight ends usually reach their peak at like age 27 or so. So maybe even Ingram, Njoku, Howard, the guys that have at least shown us something, give them a year or two, they might really be something. You know, like if this is what they're doing as a rookie, as a second-year guy, the arrow might be skyrocketing on those guys. You know, and Ebron's a good example. He was, what, the ninth pick in the draft or something, and now he looks like a first-round tight end. Yeah, and, and his value value bottomed out uh, over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Next question comes from B. Rogers. He says, can you have a discussion about the value of Golden Tate? How significant does it change if and when he goes to a new team? Uh, so uh, we know the story with Golden Tate. Uh, the Lions were happy to ship him off, get something of value for him as he was uh, about to leave in free agency, and it was pretty pretty well understood that they were not even going to pursue resigning him. Now he's with the Eagles. Uh, he's, I guess he's had mixed reviews with Philadelphia. Um, he's, he's led a little lackluster, led them in targets, multiple games, but that offense is, has also uh, really been up and down 
all season, but including the past month. So, I mean, Tate's over 30 years old at this point. He is going into his, uh, going into free agency this off season. I looked up his numbers a little bit and I was surprised at how, how impressive these were. Uh, so looking at his past wide receiver finishes, wide receiver 30, 11, 24, 17, and 12. So he came into this year with, uh, with four straight finishes as a top uh, 24 wide receiver or, or in that wide receiver two range off the top of your head. Where do you think he ranks this year, Matt? In terms of what receipt, what wide receiver, right? Fantasy scoring PPR. He's wide receiver. What? 28. He's wide receiver 24. And that's, hmm. uh, I, I would most that with Detroit. Right, right. I, I would have been further off than, than you were actually. I think I would have mm-hmm. said in the thirties at best. So, that kind of makes me think we shouldn't be giving up on this guy. Now, his value is obviously dropping due to the age, the uh I guess the perceived lack of production that right. He's he's still producing. His December ADP at DLF was uh wide receiver 40, which is the lowest it's been in over 2 years. November 2016 was the last time it was uh not inside the top 40 among wide receivers. So first of all, do you see Tate moving on? Do you think this was just a rental for Philly? Yes. And a bad one. I mean, because they kind of overshot where they are as a team. And the reality is what they need in that offense is Mike Wallace, Torrey Smith, you know, like they should have went after Robbie Anderson or Deshaun Jackson or somebody like that. That could really stretch the field. They have a lot of possession options, so that fit never really added up to me. You know, I mean, it's just another pass catcher, but they, they need a guy that can stretch the field. But I think you're right. I think his style of game, technician, tough, I don't think he just falls off a cliff. You know, like I could see him being a young quarterback's best friend if he ends up in Buffalo or the Jets or something. I mean, I could come up with many names that could use him. I mean, put him with Cooper in Dallas. or I think he's got good football left and fantasy startable future the next couple of years. I'm starting to think I agree. And, and even just looking at the numbers makes me want to go back and, and watch some of his games this season. I feel like I've underestimated him and, and based on the ADP that's going in the wrong direction, I think that's probably uh, a community wide, uh, yeah. you know, issue or circumstance. If he's on a team that's rebuilding, I mean, I bet you could get him for two thirds. We always try to remind ourselves and remind our listeners that the off season is the time to buy these veterans, right? The price drops and we're already seeing it with Tate and we're not even to the off season yet. He's going to be one of those guys that I'm trying to, uh, trying to buy, move down in the second round and get Tate thrown in or, or yeah. a couple third rounders for Tate, something like that. We'll see. We'll see where his price ends up, but I'm not giving up on him yet. No, I think he's going to be useful for a little while and, may end up in a very good landing spot. Last note on that, I mean, this is a bad free agency core of upcoming, you know, wide receivers. Funchess, I mean, like, bleh. Uh, and you, you saw what Watkins and Allen Robinson got last year. Uh, th- those guys are in demand. There's a lot of teams that could use a reliable, not super dynamic option at receiver. Yeah, and as much as, as, much as dynasty owners consider age when it comes to player value, most NFL teams don't consider age i don't want to say not at all but 
they're not going to be scared of a 30 year old receiver. They're he's, he's going to have a market. I can see him in Baltimore. Uh, I know that's not exciting. <laughs> they don't throw the ball, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want that. Next, <laughs> next question comes from Graham. He says with the number six pick in a startup IDP dynasty league, who would you pick? I have no idea. Okay. So <laughs> Graham, <laughs> first of all, I would, I would, let you know, I would admit that uh, neither Matt nor myself are IDP players. Uh, I, I've tried IDP before, and, and honestly, it just wasn't for me. I definitely uh, respect those IDP players out there. Those those are some passionate dudes, but it, it wasn't my thing. I, I do know enough about IDP, though, that unless the scoring is really, really out of whack and, and something that I've never seen before, you don't want to consider any defensive player in the first round and certainly not in the top six. So when you're thinking about who to take with that first pick, it's, it's going to be a similar conversation as, as it would be in a, in a, a team defense league or a mm-hmm. non IDP league. I think at this point, the top five picks are, are going to be running backs in most leagues. Barkley, Gurley, Kamara, Zeke, McCaffrey. I think those five are going to hold down the top five spots in a large number of dynasty startup leagues that we see this off season. Does that seem crazy to you, Matt? No, no. That's what I was thinking too. Is like, I thought the question should be phrased more along the lines of when should I consider taking my top IDP in a startup draft? Cause I can't imagine taking anyone even in the first round with as many good running backs and receivers. I mean, I would take anyone over Odell or Hopkins or, you know, let alone the young running backs. Um, I would imagine, I mean, this is just kind of spitballing off the top of my head, but I would think a guy like Leonard, Derwin James, Miles Garrett are probably at the top of your list in terms of best IDP guys, but I'm guessing. Yeah, there's there's a few great IDP podcasts out there, and, and we would send you their way to, to get more on that. But uh, again... Keep downloading ours, though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> again, I can't... Uh, I can't suggest taking an IDP with the top, uh, with the first round pick at all. So if, if the five running backs go in the first five picks, you've got your, obviously your choice at wide receiver, or you can look back at that running back position. And and then we're talking Melvin Gordon, Joe Mixon, maybe even Nick Chubb is a first rounder. So I think, I think those are going to be your options at six, Graham. Next question from Eric. He says, can you talk about, some free agents that might gain or lose value on new teams. Matt, I made a list of some unrestricted okay. free agents. Um, we talked about a couple of these guys uh, on our last episode, but I'll throw them out. You can let me. Before you do, do you do you agree that usually these free agents to be probably their best peak value, just as a general statement, is like right around now when people are like, oh, they're going to end up in a great spot. Like, the team that's letting them go probably doesn't like them as much as we think, and the team signing them is kind of settling. Like, it, rarely the guys get a big spike in production at their new home. I think that's probably fair, and, and of course, we have seen those those spikes, and that's what kind of sticks mm-hmm. with us. Um, I feel like we talk about Jarek McKinnon on every episode. He is he's not a, you know he's not a case we're going to see, certainly not with every player, and, and not even – once every off season. Um, a lot of these players that we'll talk about here 
are just going to end up re-signing with their current team and their value is not really going to change or they're going to they're going to get a deal as a backup somewhere else or they're going to get less money than than they thought and and maybe we thought they might get and or running back the needy team signs one of these guys and then drafts one in the second round and breaks your heart. <laughs> we've, you know? we've seen that plenty too. Uh, right. Dante Moncrief, unrestricted free agent, signed that one-year deal with the Jags last year. Got, I think he got more than most people expected at that point. I believe it was a uh, one-year, like ten million. Yeah, one-year, ten million dollar deal. I can't imagine they're going to even want to re-sign him. They're, they, they've got needs elsewhere. Uh, they're cash strapped. Yeah, now. so. Moncrief's probably going elsewhere. You like him? No. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater? I, maybe. I mean, I could. what if he's with the Giants on a three-year deal and Eli's back or not? Or he's a Jag starting quarterback. Like, I think he's he's got a good chance to be a starter somewhere. So, yeah. But I was never a fan even before his injury, though. Like, I always thought he was an overrated guy. Yeah, I think... I think we've got to gain some perspective with him. And, and if we could go back two or three or four years and, and remember what he was as a as an NFL starter and as a fantasy asset, it was just... It wasn't that great. It was fine, right? It was fine. Right, right. I mean, he was he was a low-end quarterback, too, at best. He so, was Tannehill. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm a Teddy fan um, and, and a supporter, but I, I'm not going to go out of my way to get him on my fantasy team. I have him in my, that super flex league I joined yeah. and I'm going to shop him heavily. Cause someone's going to be like, Oh, he's going to be a starter. I'll give you something good for him. I'm hoping because I don't need him and I don't care about him that much. Latavius Murray. No, no too old. He's, a, he's, he's not getting a starting I, job, right? I don't like his style of back. I don't know. I don't think he's a starter. No. I mean, I think he'd be smart to stay in Minnesota if he could. Cordero Patterson. No. Just doesn't... Uh, how do I say this? He doesn't take it from the board to the field real well. Doesn't adjust to new surroundings particularly well would be my hunch. So if he if he lands on a new team, what, his third, fourth, fourth new team, or fourth team, I guess, that would maybe not be ideal based on what you're no. saying. Uh, this is a guy we mentioned last time. Jaguars running back Corey Grant hasn't hasn't played this year with the injury, but uh, he was a player that a lot of people were on uh, last off season as uh, as a guy to stash and, and see what happened with that backfield. And of course, it didn't work for him. I would love to yeah. see him get a chance, but you know, one year older, one year older, we're going to see a ton of running backs coming in over the next couple years. He's, Maybe he'll be Jalen Richard, or he's got to land in just the right spot. Right, Tyrell Williams. Like, what about him? Like if he lands in New Orleans and Ingram's gone, okay. Yeah, 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 something like that. Tyrell Williams. Yeah, I can live with that one. Maybe there's ability there. So what if he goes to the Eagles? There's there's your deep threat. Now I'm real happy about it. Yeah, and I could probably come up with five spots I wouldn't mind him being, where he would be in a better situation than he is now, not blocked. What if he's opposite Amari? What if he's with Josh Allen in Buffalo? It's not so bad. Another Jaguars back. We we mentioned him last time as well, and uh, I was uncertain if he was a free agent. TJ Yeldon is a free agent. Mm-hmm. 
maybe. Uh, it seems like a weird fit there. Like, I liked him a lot coming out of Alabama. Maybe the people that have been close to him realize he really isn't a heavy workload guy. But I think he's, a, at best, a timeshare. I do, too. And, and I think that with, with Grant as well. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm excited about the big playability of both guys. And, again, with, with all of these free agents, we're talking a best-case situation. And, and the majority of them are not going to land in that best-case situation. But Corey Grant's a player that might be on your waiver wire right now. I would grab him. Yeldon's probably not. Tyrell Williams is not. But these are all players worth stashing right now until we get uh, to that March free agency period and, and see how things play out. Here's a little bit of a deeper one. Logan Thomas, tight end. Buffalo. Ooh. This is deep. Former quarterback. Yep. Worth worth taking a chance on at all? <laughs> no. You don't see it? <laughs> no. I mean, he's been in the league now a fair amount. He's Is he one of the best 32 tight ends on the planet? Uh, Close. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> right. Uh, the last guy actually did not realize he was a free agent. So this, this kind of has me intrigued. Chris Conley, Chiefs. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Now I don't. That poor guy's been blocked. I don't know if we should be rooting for for players to leave the Chiefs. I can't imagine a much better situation. But in Conley's case, it might just be a case, uh, or it might be a matter of getting more snaps, right? Moving into a a wide receiver two role. Uh, Goes to Indy. He's better than Ryan Grant. Right, right. I mean, he's goes to Buffalo. Goes to Jets. Goes to teams that need receivers. He gets a lot of snaps, and he was a freak at the combine. He, he's fast. He's has good, decent size. Um, maybe he's a lifetime bench dude, but I would bet somebody pays him reasonably well to get him on the field a lot. That's a good one. Okay, next question. Before you do, if you don't mind, I would like to tell people about our friends at Harry's. Harry's has been like our best friend, dude. I mean, they've been a, a big-time backer of the Dynasty Blueprint. And I've been a big fan of theirs for a very long time, too, before the, the Blueprint even was around. I'm hooked on their blades. I love them. It's all I ever use. So why is Harry's a perfect gift for this time of year? Well, they make long-lasting quality products at a super reasonable price. It's only like 2 bucks a blade as opposed to 4 or 5 bucks. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how much better deal they are. And they last longer than the other blades I used to buy. It's a very practical gift that he'll actually use. They'll save him money on blade refills, and like me, he'll get hooked on it. You can personally, you can make it personalized and make him feel even more special at the holidays. Choose a color that's just right for him, like black and gold, maybe. Uh, now with limited edition holiday handles, personal engraving options, ready to gift sets come in a handsome gift box. Gift sets starting at only ten bucks. What a great way to try it! Hundred percent quality guarantee. If he doesn't love it, returns are quick and very hassle free. So. Here's what you guys have to do. As a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including our limited edition holiday sets when you go to harrys.com slash dynasty. Uh, that's all caps. I would imagine that's the only way to do it. Just make sure, make sure you get on that. This this offer is for new and returning customers and is only available for the holidays. Every Harry shaving set comes with a wonderful weighted handle that feels great in your hand with the option to engrave German-engineered five-blade cartridges that provide a close, comfortable shave, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, 
a travel cover to protect those blades, and a handsome holiday box. Or, if you just want to try something for yourself, redeem a Harry's Trial offer to experience the quality of shave before committing. So, shipping cutoffs is at the end of this week, so you got to act now. Go to harrys.com slash dynasty right now to get $5 off any shave set while supplies that last. That's harrys.com slash dynasty and get on it right now. Matt, our next question comes from Brian. Uh, you already mentioned this guy's name. I think I know how you feel about him. What's Devin Funches's value going into free agency? So More the, than it should be. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that already. The Panthers have made it pretty clear recently that they don't want this guy back. Um, it was so frustrating early in the season that he was getting uh, so many targets ahead of ahead of DJ Moore, ahead of uh, Curtis Samuel. And, and then Funches had this, this pretty minor injury, cost him a couple weeks, and by the time he came back from that, it was a different team. And the young guys were... Uh, we're really leading the way. Funches is, has essentially been just a bit player uh, over the past month or so, and I think that's how it should be. I, I mean, last mm-hmm. year to me was a fluke based on pretty much having no other options outside of McCaffrey to catch the ball. But uh, Olsen was hurt, and uh, they they just had they just had no no wideouts that were reliable. Curtis Samuel was was hurt and was a rookie. So they, they make the moves this year, make it obvious that they're going to up McCaffrey's usage. Uh, Samuel, second year, he's healthy. They draft D.J. Moore. They, they're, they're obviously done with Devin Funches. Yes. Do you see him having a sizable free, agency, free agent market? I'm not a fan because I think he's a very monotone athlete without special traits besides his size. But I also, to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, I think he's part of the old way of thinking in Carolina, the Kelvin Benjamin, big catch radius way of thinking, big physical guys to block on the perimeter to in a run-first offense. And I think they wised up and said, we need playmakers. You know, like McCaffrey, Samuel, Moore aren't all exactly the same, but they're all guys you can... They're great after the catch, dynamic, that that's what they're looking for as opposed to the Funchess style of player. But that doesn't mean somebody else won't look at Funchess and say, you know, could Drew Brees look at him and say, he's my new Marquise Colston, you know, or something along those lines. But to me, the answer to the question is, he's going to hit free agency. Someone's going to overpay him. The dynasty community is going to overreact and think that he's on par with Watkins or Allen Robinson because he's making that kind of money and his new team loves him. And then he's going to let you down. So we should sell him somewhere in between those those two, right? Yes, or the day after he gets signed. You know, if he signs for big money, people will be like, boy, this, the NFL likes him, I should like him. I think I would take any second rounder for him. Any second round rookie pick. Yep. Even in 2020, yep. Yeah. Another tight end question. This one comes from Craig. He says, I'm replacing a broken Jimmy Graham. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> Craig realizes that. Uh, he's looking at a couple of options. Guys, we already talked about Ian Thomas and Johnny Smith. We like them both. Who do you like better? Thomas. Yeah. I, I think the incumbent is less likely to be in Carolina than Delaney Walker in Tennessee. 
I also think that offense is probably better. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, just seeing, and this is not to say that Thomas is going to step in and, and produce like Greg Olson has over the past several, mm-hmm. several years, but seeing how they've used their tight end and, and it has been a, a weapon in that offense. And maybe, maybe that goes back to not having much at the wide receiver position, but uh, yeah, Thomas is the guy I want out of those two. Uh, but I really do like them both. I I would be targeting both of those guys, and it seems like their trade value, their ADP, has not uh, not quite caught up to the upside that they've shown uh, in in limited work this year. You don't have to squint too hard to see them as a top twelve, basically start every week type guy. Right, I agree. Matt says, is it time to give up on Sammy Watkins? Mahomes is having a historic season. Watkins hurt again and inconsistent even when he is healthy. This this dude is just really frustrating. I, the most frustrating guy in the whole world. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would have taken him 1-1 if I was in Dynasty the year he came out. I right. loved him. Yeah, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't long ago. We're talking basically a year ago that he was still being considered as a top 12, 15 dynasty wide receiver, even though he'd had these injuries. He had, he kind of mm-hmm. flopped with, uh, with the Rams Buffalo. and, yeah, right. And with Buffalo as well. So, but then he has a stretch where he puts like five or six games together and you go, wow, this is what he's capable of. And now he's in Kansas City and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, would he, what if he was in like the Amari Cooper role in Dallas or the Galladay role where he was the only show in town? Would he be le- would he be you know producing well, or or is it helping him in Kansas City because he gets single coverage? But it's always a lower it's always a foot injury of some sort, and yeah, I think it's, it's it seems like that's recurring. But I also anytime injuries come up, I always defer to the NFL. And if some team doctor in Kansas City thought. We're going to give this guy big money. They probably weren't that worried about the foot. Well, they're worried now, right? But it they was, must be now, right? A, a few weeks ago, it was a one- or two-week injury, and he hasn't played since. And I'm I'm assuming at this point we won't see him the rest of the year. I would think you see him in the first round of the playoffs, or, you know, after the bye. Okay. Well, that would that would actually be encouraging to me. You have Watkins. Are you Are, are you selling him? Yeah, but what are you going to get? Uh, who's going to be banging on your door for him? It's back to that second-round pick. That's I think that's the best you can get at this point. Like, I'd rather have him than Funchess, who we just talked about for that price. Yeah, yeah. I think so, So, too. I'm not taking any second for him, no. But, would you trade him? I mean, back to the tight end dilemma. Would you trade him for Ian Thomas in a third if you needed a young tight end? Or something like that? Herndon? No, no, I'm right, not. Like I'm not that desperate. Cheap. I still think mm-hmm. he's in that. Uh, he's in the twenties. I mean, right now he's wide receiver twenty six according to ADP. He's actually ahead of Allen Robinson, which is a surprise. I'd rather have Robinson. Oh, I'd rather have Robinson. Yeah. Uh, he's ahead of Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin, uh, Christian Kirk. Uh, we, I, I could see Watkins falling quite a bit as as we move into Those January guys. ADP. Yeah, I think those, those guys, guys' arrows going up. All right. three of those guys you mentioned. Right. I'd I'd certainly trade him for Christian Kirk, who's wide receiver oh, thirty-one yeah. right now. Um, or Godwin. Yeah. Uh, here's here's a good one. Sammy Watkins or Traycon Smith. That's about right. Yeah. So Smith is wide receiver thirty-seven. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of how rebuilding. Then I'll move him for Smith. Yeah, that's kind of how we need to value Watkins right now as as a wide receiver three. 
bottom end. Yeah. Yeah. With potential to be a one. Next question from Chance. He says, where are you slotting Darius Geis in startup drafts among other running backs? Uh, and are you buyers or sellers of Antonio Brown if he falls into round two of startups? So let's start with the Darius Geis question. Uh, we've both been big fans of his, even through the ACL injury. And, and we have this news over the past couple weeks that he had some complications. That's that's going to affect his value. His his dynasty ADP is, uh, slots him as the running back 18. That probably feels like his ceiling if you're talking about uh, a startup draft that's going to start early in the offseason. Uh, Philip Lindsay is behind him. I think that would change if you're doing it right now. Tariq Cohen is behind him. That could change. We might have a couple of rookies jump him even once you get into that part of the season. How are you feeling about guys? I like him more than Cohen and Lindsay. Okay. Um, the Redskins really worry me though. Like I'm not sure Alex Smith's going to come back. And if he does, is that a great thing? Their quarterback situation might be worse than Jacksonville's big picture. I mean, it could be really bad. And the organization as a whole is a little dysfunctional. I mean, I don't really trust it. Everyone's always hurt and, uh, so I don't love that part of it. And I also, you know, we just talked about Watkins. This is kind of two years in a row that he's battled injury. This year he obviously missed the whole year. But his final year at LSU, he wasn't all that healthy either. And it makes me think of Fournette a little bit too. But remember him. It wasn't long ago you and I were having a conversation. And you were ahead of me in draft prep. And you were saying things like, Geis and Barkley are going to be the top two picks by far. And maybe even Geis will be number one. You know, coming off. Two years ago at LSU. Like, he was that good. I'm not saying he's as good as Barkley, but when we were just learning about those guys, they were very much in the same conversation. Yeah, it's it's easy to forget that now, but yeah. uh, I, I guess that would be the year before their final year of college. Yes. There was there were Barkley supporters, and there were guys supporters to be that top rookie. And, and then, as you mentioned, their final college season, guys... Uh, had some injuries and Barkley uh, obviously had a great year and, and that kind of shifted a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Based on talent, based on what we saw the first two years of Geis's college career, he was, he was in that conversation. It was he 20 years old. Yeah. 21. 21. Uh, yeah. To me, like I said, I think that RB 18 range, that m- middle, uh, mid RB two range overall is, is kind of the ceiling for me. You, sounds like you might push him a, a little bit higher than that. Carry yeah. on, carry on Johnson's right above him. That's close for me. Okay. Carry on's a little more bird in the hand, but if guys hits, he's going to hit bigger. I think Johnson's a better receiver. So I think that's the neighborhood. But if we were doing a dynasty startup and we did what a couple you know, three or four shows ago, Mm-hmm. I bet he ends up on my team. All right. Fun question from Dave. Dave says, let's talk about the dynasty value three years from now. Dak Prescott or Josh Rosen? So three years years from now, who has more dynasty value, Dak or Josh Rosen? Well, there's such different styles of player. Dak's legs are a huge advantage in this conversation. I very much believe three years from now, 
everyone out there will say Josh Rosen's a better NFL quarterback. So I'll take Rosen. I would agree. And you mentioned kind of the the pro for Dak is what he gives us as a runner. Right. Three years from now, is he, you know, is he still going to have that? We've we've seen these running quarterbacks just lose it, and and in some cases lose it quickly, as far as what they offer um, with their legs. So, at some point, that's going away, and and we would hope and expect Rosen. Rosen is only going to get better. Uh, I'll take Rosen as well. Real quick example on that. I mean, I'm not saying Cam Newton or Russell Wilson aren't good runners anymore, but at this stage of their career, they're not running as much. And the next step is. They will be occasional runners, you know? Right. Uh, Same lines, three years from now. Duke Johnson or Edo Smith? I think Duke might not even be in the league three years from now. Yeah, it's Edo Smith right now for me. Right. Duke doesn't even play hardly for them anymore. Yeah, we don't don't have to wait three years from now. I I, I hope Duke gets cut and gets another shot. Cortland Sutton or Calvin Ridley? Sutton. Mm, yeah, better chance to be a number one on his team, even if Julio's not around. All right, and then uh, the conversation. We'll about that one, yeah, yeah, the conversation we've had so many times. And Joku Ingram or Howard, we're not even going to pick. We like all three of those guys. If you can get one on your team, go for it. If you can get more than one on your team, I I like that plan too. I would rank them Howard Ingram the Joku though. Mm, yeah, I think I would as well. But I, I like I the Baker too. aspect from the Joku. Pedro says, I know it's early, but which 2019 rookies are you targeting in the second half of the first round? Yeah, Pedro, it is early. In fact, a lot of these guys that I was looking at in my kind of 7 to 12, 7 to 15 range when I look at my rookie rankings have not even made an official decision uh, for their draft status. So some of these guys, I'll, I'll throw out some names, but some of these players could certainly end up going back to school, which would uh, obviously have a big impact on those rankings. The players who have not declared that I like are Tyler Johnson, wide receiver from Minnesota, uh, and Colin Johnson, the wide receiver from Texas, and also Hakeem Butler, wide receiver from Iowa State. We're, We're waiting to hear on all three of those guys. Right now, based on what we know, I like all three as late for mid to late first rounders. And then three running backs that we do know are going to be in the draft. Damian Harris, the Alabama running back. Of course, he he turned down the draft a year ago, went back to Alabama, and led them in rushing. And then a couple of, of juniors who have already declared. Benny Snell, my guy from Kentucky. Daryl Henderson, uh, great runner from Memphis. Those guys are both uh, both in the pool already. They've They've made their decision official. All of those guys are options in that late first round, early second round range with, of course, plenty of time for things to change. Is Singletary in that mix? He's a little bit lower for me. I think if you're talking, you know, if, if you ask somebody else or if you do some kind of, if you've got some ADP already, which which is not out there yet, but I think he would probably be in that mix as well. Uh, I'm a little lower on him than than uh, Henderson and Snell. But, yeah, he's he would probably be right after that group. In that neighborhood. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, we got a couple questions about Derrick Henry, uh, one from Falco, one from Nicholas. Uh, essentially, what's Derrick Henry's value like now? What is his uh, 2019 draft stock going to look like? So I'll start with this. In, in our December ADP, which was before his uh, recent two-game just explosion, he was the RB35 in our ADP and 96 overall. So knowing that, Matt, RB35, how how much would you expect him to jump in January? And I, I think he's going to have a, another huge game uh, against yeah. the Redskins. We're uh, recording this prior to week 16. He, he could certainly do it again. And, and if he does, things are really going to get crazy. But based on what we know right now, he's going to go from RB35 to what? 23. I think that's a. I think that's just about spot on. You're you're going to be shocked at some of these names. I tell you that are ahead of him. And this is this is just December. This is less than a month ago. This data was collected. Deion Lewis was ahead of him. Duke Johnson, T.J. Yeldon, uh, Kenyon Drake. Not not a shock, but he's probably one that's going to uh, fall behind Henry, or certainly mm-hmm. will fall behind Henry. Uh, the the disappointing rookie trio. Ronald Jones, Royce Freeman, Rashad Penny, all of those guys are ahead of him. I think that will, cer- that will certainly change. Um, Marlon Mack, I could see that kind of going either way. James White will will drop Behind below him. him. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that... That's about uh, 23-ish, yeah. Yep, that early 20s, I think you're right. We're going to see a big jump from him. Would you be buying at that point? Boy, he's tough to buy now because I, I don't think he's going to be too pricey to write this minute. But maybe this offseason after he cools down a little, you know, okay week 17, maybe. But he kind of reminds me of Jordan Howard in that a new staff takes over that wants a multifaceted running back and inherits a downhill non-receiver 1985 type runner. But both those coaching staffs have done a really good job of finding that player's strengths and using them to win games. Like, I think Henry's more talented and more freaky than Howard, but Howard has better natural running instincts and vision and things like that. But I'm really impressed with what the Titans have done to make Howard be this productive, or Henry this productive. What they're doing is a lot of sweeps and getting his feet moving before the ball touches his hands. And then he's a locomotive. You know, They're not just handing... ISOs up the middle where he has to move laterally and find a hole or be, you know, patient. They're, they've really done a good job of maximizing his skills. Uh, this could be, end up being the best, you know, month of his life. I bet it is when it's all said and done, but he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. And I think he's deserved to move up to that 23 neighborhood. I think he's deserving of moving up as well. But we also, we saw this last year, right? When uh, the injury to Murray, we, and we saw Henry, right. We saw Henry uh, basically dominate his value spiked uh, a year ago. And of course, Murray was gone. Even after they signed Lewis though? No, no, that's what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. Value spikes. And then they bring in Deion Lewis and whether they just hang on to Lewis or, or they make another move there. 
there, there's going to be some competition. He he's not the kind of, of back who's going to have that backfield to himself, mainly because he can't catch the ball. They're not going to use him as mm-hmm. a receiver, and that limits his dynasty value and, and weekly upside as well. If you love Mariota and think he's going to be a star, Henry Stock will probably drop. But if you look at Mariota and think he's Dak Prescott or a guy that needs a lot around him, well, then the offense, I think, is going to flow through Henry. Yeah, that, that'll be another interesting one to see. We definitely agree, obviously, that he's going to be moving up, gaining, continuing to gain value. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of staying away. And, and if I owned him already, I would certainly be selling. Last question comes from Dan. He says, which rookie Packers wide receiver would you rather own, Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Equinemius St. Brown? Uh, we, we've seen both of these guys kind of take a back seat lately. Randall Cobb's back healthy. They're still obviously relying on Devontae Adams, as they will continue to do, but uh, also trying to rely on, on these veterans, Cobb, Jimmy Graham. Now Cobb's in the concussion protocol they've been officially eliminated from the playoffs so I, I really hope we get to see uh, more of these rookies over the last couple weeks uh, not only these two but Jamon Moore who I'm not ready to throw in the towel on so which one of those guys do you prefer still Valdez Scantling I, I like the way he moves I think he changes directions better he's not quite as long-legged as those guys and you know lean um, I think he's the best athlete of the group, but that's tough. I mean, it's strange. They drafted three receivers that are all kind of in the same mold and they're going to have a new coach. I mean, what's he going to think of that kind of that style of receiver? Yeah, that's true. That's that, that makes targeting any of them, I, I guess a little risky, mm-hmm. but at the same time, n- none of them are too costly. I think Valdez Scantling would probably cost you a second rounder. The other two are cheaper than that. Um, I would agree. I'm, I'm going Valdez Scantling just based on what we've seen. He, he feels a little bit safer. It seems like St. Brown has the higher ceiling, but maybe the higher or the lower floor as well. Yeah, I would say that, I guess. I'm not sure he even has a higher ceiling. I mean, Valdez Scantling at least had a stretch there where he was helpful to your fantasy team. Like got picked up in redraft leagues, but it was yeah. maybe a two week stretch. Yeah. All right, that will do it for this episode. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.